Should the Baltimore Ravens make a move for Minnesota Vikings star pass rusher Daniil Hunter? We talk about that and so much more coming up next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. We are here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us on this Purple Friday, making us your first listen every day. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcasts, including in video form on YouTube. You can subscribe for free, both audio form and video form. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL, and when you enter promo code LockedOnNFL, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. We're back here. It is Purple Friday. That means Kadri Ismail, former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Super Bowl champion here. His first run-in with the new graphics, with the little checklist <laughs> on the right side on YouTube. So if, if you want to see that new graphic package, head on over to YouTube. But if you listen in audio form, thank you for listening as well. Q, we have a lot to talk about. Again, the lull period of the offseason is never the lull period because there's still so much that goes on from a team building perspective. Obviously, OTAs still in full swing. We have Patrick Queen getting disrespected by Madden, getting trucked over by Josh Allen. And obviously, some news about some Minnesota Vikings we'll talk about here today in their pass rushing room. But we're one step closer every week to the start of the regular season. and I'm excited for it. You know, what is so cool about it, when you look at this offseason – uh, all the different ebbs and flows of it and, and really kind of a um, a lot of noise, a lot more noise for the Baltimore Ravens than normal. Um, but when it comes down to it, it, it seems like everything is, is evened out and, and all is right with the world as far as how the Ravens are shaping up their team. And I think from the progress we've seen through the OTAs, a mandatory one is coming up, so... I think there's going to even be more, hmm, how's this team looking? What is this team going to be all about? Very excited to see this this final product go into training camp and, and get another yet look at the team right before the uh, season starts up. Yeah, and I think all that talk, especially earlier on in the offseason, in fact, it was Lamar Jackson. We talked about him every day for what seemed like forever. And now it's starting to feel almost to me like a normal offseason again. Yeah. Where now we're starting to, again, you have the quarterback locked in and Lamar Jackson, five-year deal, great for Lamar, great for the organization. But now we can talk about corner and wide receiver. And here we're going to talk about edge in the first segment because Daniil Hunter Q, a star pass rusher from Minnesota, has been getting interest around the league, some serious interest. He only cost about $5.5 million for a team that acquires him. And we know, Q, when, when you look at the needs for this roster right now, it's not wide receiver, which I know is a little weird to some because of everything that we've seen and heard from this team over the however long you want to say. But edge and corner seem to be the two. Now, edge, the room to me is only three deep. With Adafi Owe and David Ajabo and Tyus Bowser. Tavius Robinson, maybe he could provide some stuff, but I just I don't think it's his time this year. I'd like to, you know, maybe get a couple years of experience under his belt. Daniil Hunter becomes available, and I think he actually has been available for a while here. This is a player queue, 71 career sacks. Did miss all of 2020 with an injury and then only played in seven games in 2021, but has had four seasons out of seven that he's played with 
over 10 sacks, 10 and a half sacks last year in 2022 of Minnesota, a three-time Pro Bowler. This is a move that a lot of people want to see, Q, because, again, you don't know what you're going to get with Lafayette Owe. You don't know what you're going to get with David Ajabo. Ty Bowser is steady, but he's not necessarily that 10-sack guy. So what what say you about going out there and maybe going all in to acquire a star pass rusher and maybe put the cherry on the top in this defense? I mean, I think that's what you said, the cherry on top. That means that you don't really have to have to have him. I think when you look at the makeup of the team, the D-line has to be priority number one as far as what's next. And, yes, getting to the quarterback. I think bringing in Chuck Smith allows you the opportunity to, to help the young guys, give them more game plan understanding, give them a better uh, – tool in a toolbox to use use and utilize in certain situations. But when it comes down to it, you know, uh, Hunter, I think, would be a great addition. I think it would be cool to have a veteran of his stature. And and then it just depends on uh, EDC and and what he feels he's willing to give up. And, you know, (laughs) they covet draft picks more than they covet, you know, trading players. Even, you know, as they got Roquan Smith, you know, you heard Eric saying, oh, well, you know, we don't got a second round pick. But we did get oh, Roquan, but we don't have a second round pick. It's like, all right, bro, we get you. They really, really like their draft pick. So it'll be kind of interesting to see if they feel that it would be something where they could jump in and, and do a deal. Yeah, and I know that for the Ravens, they have a couple of compensatory picks coming to them by way of Ben Powers and Josh Oliver. I can't remember. I think actually the Josh Oliver pick, got negated by Nelson Aguilar signing, but the Ben Powers one I think is still in line to convey over. So maybe Eric DaCosta sees that and feels comfortable giving up a fourth if he knows he's already getting one in for a guy like Daniel Hunter. And usually Q, you know, those star guys that get traded either in the offseason or midseason, usually, not always, but usually for veterans, they're on their second or third contracts. And that cap hit is like $20 million or $25 million. This is five and a half million dollars for essentially one of the better pass rushers in this league. So again, you, you have the young players. I think Chuck Smith is going to do wonders for Adafi Owe and David Ajabo. But to have that extra insurance where what if Adafi Owe goes down? Or what if David Ajabo goes down? You get thinner and thinner. We've talked about Justin Houston. We've talked about Yannick Ngakwe, Jadavian Clowney. But I think Hunter is, you know, people talk about DeAndre Hopkins in that move. It'd be really cool if it happened. I don't really think it will. But I think this Daniel Hunter move makes sense both from a needs-based perspective and just from putting, again, the cherry on top to this defense. So would you give up a third-rounder cue, a fourth-rounder, a fifth-rounder? What's what's kind of your stopping point for the capital you'd give up to get a star pass rusher like this? I would look at a fourth-rounder. Um, you know, kind of that's that's my ceiling. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe a third, but yeah, I guess I'd have to look at more of Hunter's tape and see, and then also check to see from a health aspect of things, you know, there's a reason why he's being put out there. And so I want to make sure that I'm not the one, you know, what, what am I holding? You know, am I holding all the treasure or I'm holding all the trash? And so that's something where I guess I had to do a little bit more due diligence with, you know, what does he bring to the table? What does he have left? Clearly he's been productive. Clearly he's put out, but the flip side of it also is clearly he's been injured. And so, you know, as much as we want to, you know, roll a dice 5 million, right. It's not a big cap figure and not really going to you know eat up a lot 
but I, I, it has to be right. And I think, you know, that's where, you know, for uh, Danielle Hunter, I would look at him in, in that, la- uh, that lane compared to um, some of the other names you named, even in Gakwe. I don't even know if, you know, we would, you know, want to kind of restart that marriage. Um, different circumstances, maybe different coaches or something. Obviously, F minus is out the building, so I'm sure he's not necessarily worrying about his body uh, breaking down. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think there's some other guys though that that you can kind of see, whether it be Quinn, whether it be Dunlap. Um, they're all good opportunity to to look at. Uh, but again, one of the names you mentioned, Justin Houston, like I, I, I could wait to get through training camp, see what I got. And then I got Justin Houston. So I would also take this time if I'm, even though it's, it's mini camp and you know, we've got that final official TA. If I'm one of them, if I'm Tyus Bowser, if I am, uh, David Ajabo, um, you know, Oway, like, bruh, I'm, I'm balling. I am, I am like, yo, y'all gonna know me. Y'all gonna know this group. So it, it doesn't have to be brought up again that we need somebody. Yeah. And I think that, look, they're willing to work really hard in order to get this thing, you know, to where they want it in terms of pass rushers, but being three deep, it it is, it's a little scary to me, Q. I'm not going to lie. Because again, if one of those guys goes down, it it becomes almost like, do you have to go out there? I think, they have to make a move and not because again, I don't, I think Oway can step up. I think a can step up, but injuries, they happen in this game. They happen every single season to every single team. And if it, if it plagues the outside linebacker room and you don't have a guy like either Hunter or Houston or Ngakwe and Ngakwe super interesting because I actually, you said maybe it's just, he was not a fit for Don Martindale's defense. It yeah. just, his role was not what, he needed it to be I think Mike McDonald can utilize him better I don't know if it's a pairing that either side would want but we'll see there if it's not Hunter the most realistic option to me is Justin Houston I mean a third year in a row knows the defense obviously the younger guys on that roster look up to him he he loves Baltimore I think that would be the move if it's not Daniel Hunter but I would be I'm all in on the Daniel Hunter trade if it happens a fourth rounder seems great to me i'd even go you know fourth and a sixth if they wanted fourth and a maybe even fourth and a fifth i know that's getting a little crazy but i i think this could be the move to put that defense over the top i know everybody talks about corner there is still a need there you know we heard from john harbaugh saying that you know not necessarily going to be a, a nickel all the way through so his role is going to be interesting for sure but coming up in the second part of the show we'll be diving into another minnesota vikings star or uh, soon to be former one and Dalvin Cook talking about if the Ravens should look into acquiring a running back. So we should have stayed tuned a lot to get to on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs and Bird Dogs make you look good. And I, I know that because I have a couple of pairs of Bird Dogs and Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. The Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better and fit fit super important to me again i want to be able to look good in the shorts i wear but also i want to have them fit really comfortably and they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of that stiff restricting cotton and bird dogs fix that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement and i, I was nicknamed khaki kev back in the day so Bird Dogs getting me with, with the khakis. I appreciate Bird Dogs for doing that. But Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric 
that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. Enter promo code locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. And you want to get in on that because that, that Yeti tumbler is looking very sleek and very cool. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Kadri Ismail and Q. When people hear Dalvin Cook in the Ravens in the same sentence, special Ravens fans, it gets a little testy because I do not think a lot of people want Dalvin Cook in Baltimore because, you know, they have J.K. Dobbins. They have Gus Edwards. It's, well, how, how are you going to feed a backfield of Cook and Dobbins and Edwards? Now, look, the trio of those three would be one of the best trios, if not the best trio in the entire NFL but again, do you want to put assets or money into going out there and getting a running back when we just talked about how edge is a need and how corner is a need? I think Dalvin Cook can make an impact for the offense, but Q, is it worth it to go get a running back when you still have these other defensive needs right now? Well, he's a top flight running back. Uh, Devontae Freeman was not a type flight running back when we got him. Uh, yes, he was. We, 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 we had Le'Veon Bell, and he was not a top flight running back when, when we got him. <laughs> Um, those were emergency situations. And I just think when you see Dalvin, you see a guy who very productive, but they just don't want to pay him. So it comes down to, do you want to pay a guy in Dalvin cook or do you want to pay a guy who ironically enough, I guess is his workout partner in the off season. Uh, and a guy that you have right in your own backyard, JK Dobbins. So I think there's a little fine line there. You know, you, you want to keep team chemistry. Um, people will say, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, you need to just go ahead and compete and don't worry about who comes in. But you also know running back situation is a little bit different than other situations uh, in, in other positions, rather, you know, because you only it's, it's so fickle and so weird with such the fine line of, playing running back and how many carries you get or how many carries you don't get. If you, you know, get an opportunity to get a hot hand. So I, I like the chemistry that they have now. Um, sure. Do your due diligence, see what it is with Dalvin, but that's as far as I would see it going. Um, and, and let the, let the team be the team. Maybe there's a, a street free agent, uh, undrafted rookie free agent, that, you know, camp will just be a good camp body that might be able to learn the system. And if something happens, you can easily bring him back and put him into the fold. Yeah, and that, exactly. I mean, I think Keaton Mitchell is that guy, that exact guy you described, ECU undrafted running back who the Ravens ended up signing. And he's someone who's a speedster, a very different profile than Dalvin Cook. Admittedly, Cook's kind of that big bruising guy. But Cook also has an injury history. And it's interesting because you mentioned like the different situations between positions, Q. And I agree with you where we, we've been talking about DeAndre Hopkins for weeks where it's, well, are there going to be too many mouths to feed? How is it going to impact Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers if DeAndre Hopkins comes in? Is that going to mess with them at all? They're going to say, well, where are my targets? You know, they're all going to DeAndre Hopkins and that's messing with this and that. W would you foresee a similar circumstance with maybe J.K. Dobbins, who I know has expressed unhappiness with his workload in the past, again, one game for him with over 15 carries in his entire career and a player that's in a contract year. I mean, what would kind of your mindset be if you were JK Dobbins or maybe even Gus Edwards in this situation and you see Dalvin cook get brought in here? Oh, I, I would be, you know, 
I know nowadays players, they, they vocally express themselves social media wise. I don't necessarily think that that's, you know, smart, but they, that's their prerogative. I think I would seriously have a strong conversation with, you know, the, the guys upstairs, EDC and, and company like, yo, like, what are we doing here? You know, I, I'm your guy. You guys covered draft picks in the whole nine yards. Well, we, we, we are homegrown and we're ready to bust out. All you got to do is show us some love that you really like us. And there's opportunity for us to grow. I think opportunity for us to grow by giving me some reachable incentives, you know, it calms me. But bringing in another guy thinking that, well, we need to keep the room competitive. I would, I'd literally be like, that's horse manure. We ain't having that. That That's how I would be feeling about it. And I feel like also the, the whole thing with Dobbins now is I think he is ready to take a next step here. And with the other knees that the Ravens have, look, if Dalvin Cook signed for one year, $3 million, $4 million, like you could make a case for that and say, look, this guy is too good to not sign to that deal. Again, I don't know how Dobbins or Edwards would take it, but you know, if it's about winning for a lot of those guys, I don't think that's I don't think that is you know any different for J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. I think they're also on that train. But again, these guys want to play. J.K. Dobbins wants to play. He loves football. He loves playing the game, and he is so competitive. So to me, I think that Dobbins should be the the one, the number one guy on on this team in terms of running back, and Edwards should be number two. Not that they can't coexist in the same backfield because they absolutely can. But I think a running back room of Dobbins, Edwards, Justice Hill, and maybe Keaton Mitchell is is fine. You know, you want to bring in as much talent as you can. I'd rather see Daniel Hunter in Baltimore as opposed to Dalvin Cook if we're talking about well, where are you putting your assets, where are you putting your, your money. The Ravens have about $10 million-ish dollars in cap space right now. So to me, I mean, I agree with you, Q. I think, sure, the Ravens can go do their due diligence, see what's up with him, but I, I wouldn't personally see it going any further than that because I think Baltimore does believe in J.K. Dobbins and does believe in Gus Edwards, and they like Justice Hill uh, maybe on is a third down guy and also on special teams. And then Keith Mitchell is a fourth option. I, I like that a lot. But then when it comes to the guys actually on the roster queue, kind of we were talking about, where do you kind of see the roles for these guys shaping up this year? We know the offense is going to be different. They're going to be throwing the ball a little more this year. And we, we touched on this last week. But do you feel like this should be the J.K. Dobbins backfield with Gus Edwards as the 1B option or number 2 option as opposed to kind of the committee we've seen over recent seasons? Yeah, you know, and I think it's cool that you got a coach, you know, who um, at Georgia, obviously he was using his tight ends and, and that was the talent that he had. Um, you've seen them pass the ball a lot in the pros and all that. But I, I, I think there's something to be said about running the football. I think there's something to be said about being physical at the point of attack. Your offensive line is a really strong offensive line. And because of all those pieces, if you will, inviting people up in the box to go one-on-one -on, -one on the outside, that means you're running the ball. You're running it down their throat. And if you do that, it opens up things. And if you do that, that's the 53 and the third that was talked about when Todd Munkin was – in his opening press conference, defending 53 and a third. Okay, so part of that is inside the hash marks. Part of inside the hash marks is part of that inside the tackles. And you got to have your 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 game strong. And a strong game is, is having a strong running game. Strong running game leads to a whole lot of goodness. And, it's, and, and, and the main goodness is not having uh, Lamar Jackson have to take any wear and tear. Could you imagine – 
Lamar Jackson in the fourth quarter with fresh legs. Could mm. you imagine Lamar Jackson with fresh legs in week 12, 15, week 17? Chilling. Now you got something that's even more dangerous. You got options, but you also got a quarterback that can take it the distance at any point in time he wants to because he's not necessarily carrying the load. J.K., go ahead, get you some. Gus, go ahead, bro, get you some. Both guys, I think, are poised, and I think they got the offensive coordinator with the the, the mindset to put all of them in that poised scenario to, to, to operate. Yep, I'm with you, and it sounds good to have a quarterback with fresh legs in, in that fourth quarter right around the, the end part of the year. And, Q, something that I'm also excited about is the extension of the run game is the short passing game, and getting these running backs involved in the passing game I think it's going to be, one, really important to the team's success this year, but two, I think we're just going to see it a little more. I, I go back to before 2021 when J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards were talking about, you know, oh, yeah, you know, we have something for you there where they're, they're going to be more involved. And then obviously both those guys had the knee injuries, weren't able to play. And we just we just didn't see it a lot last year either. I'm really excited to see Dobbins and Edwards because I think they can both do. We've we've seen Edwards catch the ball like 20 yards down the field, truck people. Like he, both these guys can catch the ball, and it just makes the Ravens' offense so much harder to defend. But coming up in the final part of the show, I'll be talking a bit about the Ravens' offensive line, as Q talked a little bit about earlier, and their versatile options that they have and where they're experimenting with certain guys before the season starts. So be sure to stay tuned and play to get to Unlocked on Ravens. We are back. Rounding out Locked On Ravens with Kadri Ismail, I am Kevin Ostriker. And Q, it feels good to go into the year right now, at least at this point, with four of the five offensive line positions set in stone. You have Ronnie Stanley at left tackle, Tyler Linderbaum at center, Kevin Zeitler, right guard, and Morgan Moses at right tackle. The only position that we don't really know right now who's going to be starting is left guard. Ben Powers goes to Denver. You have Ben Cleveland in that conversation. Patrick McCary, Daniel Falele, and John Harbaugh talked about just what they've been doing so far with experimenting with different guys and the versatile options, putting Daniel Falele for reps of guard. Ben Cleveland got some right tackle reps as well. And it's I think it's important to do this now as opposed to right before the season starts or worst case in a game like we literally saw it last year new england when the ravens had no other options they had to put daniel falele in at tackle and to his credit all, all expectations aside did pretty well but you, you don't want to be in that situation so are you content q with how the offensive line room looks right now for the ravens especially depth wise when you talk about the, the second and third strings i am content i love it i love the fact that you got your mainstay, your anchor, Ronnie Stanley, uh, there's there's no talk about him whatsoever. It's all positive. At the same time, you talk about Daniel Falele, the fact that he has an offseason where he can kind of get his feet wet is going to be so critical. Uh, the bigger picture to me is the communication and learning the nomenclature of how you want to run your offense and your protections if you're uh, sitting there and, and you're Tom Munkin and, and you know, if, if the offensive line gels and, and gets it and understands it and they get through training camp, you know, on point and on top doing their thing, you know, the, the way in which they're going to decide on what is their main blocking scheme, uh, man on man, is it zone? Is it inside zone? Is it the stretch? You know, what is it going to be? How versatile is it going to be? What are some of the carryovers that we've seen? Uh, from from 
what they talked about with Greg Roman's run offense because it was, yes, uh, so good. But those blocking schemes, those protections that he's going to put into play, uh, that's a lot of communication that, that needs to happen. I think it's a good thing that uh, everyone, all hands are on deck, if you will. Yeah, and I think Passion McCarry is like the poster child for like the, the versatile option. He can play all five positions at a very high level. But the Ravens love, you know, and honestly, the NFL is not just a Ravens thing. The NFL loves offensive linemen that can play multiple positions and where you don't have to necessarily shuffle your offensive. Like I, I remember Q going back to the 2021 offseason when Bradley Bowles would miss some time and Kevin Zeitler missed some time and Ronnie Stanley was still, you know, missing some time and they brought another hundred villain away, but then they had to flip them over. They barely had any time to practice with a full offensive line group, like all five guys. And, you know, with the Ravens this year, you don't know who's going to start at left guard. They're going to probably start with a guy. Maybe it's Ben Cleveland. They're going to start with a guy on the first team. Then maybe rotate guys in and out. But that year, Q, it was just different offensive line combinations every single day, every single week. And it, I think it set them back a little bit. Right? It's so important now for these guys to get chemistry, especially in a new offense. And the options you now have behind those starting five, I'm, I'm just going to put Ben Cleveland in there for now because that's just what I'll do. You have Patrick McCary, Daniel Filele, John Simpson, and all these players. I think the second stringers, you know, you have options there. Obviously, Injivor, he's not going to be available till probably next year. You have Salah going in there as well. He got some time. I think the Ravens have offensive line depth right now. Even, even talking about, you know, Sam Mustafer coming over from Chicago, who admittedly a lot of Chicago fans are saying, good luck with that guy. It's eerily similar to what happened with Alejandro Villanueva when he came up. Pittsburgh fans were like, yes, Alejandro Villanueva was in Baltimore. Oh, and I think me. now we know why they said that. But again, that's a backup option. Tyra Linderbaum is there. I think their offensive line depth is fine like i'm it's not the best in the league their offensive line depth behind their top five guys but i think it's good enough where if you have to have a guy fill in for a couple of weeks or someone goes down you feel good enough plug it in a patrick mccary plug it in a daniel falele in year two and kind of going from there one thing i will say when you look at daniel falele the fact that he got put into the fire and held up so incredibly well whereas ben cleveland we keep on putting we first we first started off with oh he's going to be the next uh Marshall Yonder then it was like oh uh, is he in shape can he pass the run test boy we don't know is he even going to be active so yeah I get it that we're like oh yeah Ben Cleveland oh yeah but you know I, I like Daniel Falele the fact that he's in there he already has some real game experience there's nothing like real game experience giving him a chance to explore his limits. And then you can you can you can go into the offseason and work on that. Oh man, you know, I, I kind of got a little bit too far forward on my feet and the you know the the DN kind of got around me and swam me or or pulled me to him and bull rushed me because I didn't have my feet set the right way. I can I can see that, but at least he was out there. So I you're right. You know, McCarry, again, strong game time experience. I love all that. Um, I don't know. Ben Cleveland just okay. <laughs> Is he a backup to the backup to the backup? I think that might be the case in which we're looking at um, him and kind of go from there. You know, I, yeah. I, I have preached this for the last year ish or so. I think Patrick McCary might be the 
best out of all of them, but I want him to be the super sixth offensive lineman. I, I just feel like that is his role for Daniel Filele. Look, he's a big hulking guy. And if the foot speed is there, he, he apparently has been working at the facility all off season, getting his body right. He's, you know, put on some muscle, lost some weight a little bit, got more in shape. And look, if, if we see a really strong preseason performance by him, I think we're going to see him both at tackle and at guard during the preseason. Yeah, I, I would not be mad to see him in there at week one. I think it's going to be a battle that comes down to ultimately Cleveland and Falele. But I think you're right, Q, where people are kind of looking at Falele as, oh, well, he'll be the replacement for Morgan Moses whenever he's gone. But, you know, in this in today's NFL, Q, it's about where can you play and where can you help the team now? Falele is the best option you put him in there at guard and you don't look back. That That's the guy you make your starting left guard. And then you feel very comfortable having a, a hulking offensive lineman right next to Ronnie Stanley. And if he can move his feet, get out into space really well and just, you know, impose his will in the run game and also pass protect, that, that's the guy you put there. But I do I do have a question for you about Tyler Linderbaum, Q, because obviously came onto the scene in 2022 and it impressed everybody. I mean, was really, really good. What are you expecting growth-wise from him this year? Because I think a lot of people are expecting a huge leap. I, I think the the sky's the limit for him. Um, I, th- I just really think the world of a young man because center is so hard of a position to begin with, so much responsibility, and he didn't flinch the entire year. Uh, I think that was the one game. I, I, I might be mistaken on this one where it was Cleveland uh, and he had issue um, – with their, their D line, um, a little bit there. No, no, no. I apologize. It was Cincinnati, Cincinnati's D line. Uh, they did some funky things as far as their scheme wise. And it really, uh, kind of frustrated him a little bit. Uh, I forget the young man's name, but D lineman, uh, D tackle him and, uh, Linderbaum kind of was going a little one-on-one and, you know, it was, it, it was a battle. Like I, I, I tell you what, like, Cincinnati, <laughs> but I think again, you know, you get forged in the fire, and you come out better. And that refiner's fire is one thing uh, that you just can't replace. And I think for Linderbaum, you know, it, it's a growing experience. Like, all right, bet you know what? I had some some uh, really good, good, strong plays, some good, strong games. And then I got challenged against against uh, a, a team in our division. Well, it ain't gonna happen again, you know. So I think that that's a good sign. Uh, that we got Tyler Linderbaum holding it down. Mission accomplished for Eric DaCosta and company because you're not worrying about whether or not a a ball is going to be snapped over, uh, you know, your quarterback's head or your quarterback's not going to be able to to feel comfortable as far as pass protection. You know, I think all that is settled because of Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah, I just had a few flashbacks of those uh, those high snaps. I'm glad I'm glad enough to go through that. Linderbaum is as steady as ever in a position where, again, a lot of people wanted to see Bradley Bozeman back. I would have been fine with that personally. They go out there and draft Linderbaum, who there are a lot of questions about his size. How is he going to fit into the scheme? Fit, fit in really well. And again, we t- you talked about you know starting off kind of shaky sometimes and ending the year strong. I even go back to week one, Q, when he played the Jets with Quinn and Williams and some of those bigger defensive tackles with his size, just by proxy are going to give him some issues. Like again, it's not a huge deal, but we saw him, the the Tampa game I go to with with my favorite game from his of the season. He was just pushing Devin white back. Devin white was getting thrown on his back by like, that was the, Oh yeah. Tyler Nerbaum is here. And we saw the improvements. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. And literally Kyle Hamilton, 2022 draft pick, same thing. The Miami game definitely struggled there, gave up some stuff. 
comes back the literal next week against New England and has essentially the game-winning play with that fumble against, funny enough, Nelson Aguilar. But it's just I'm excited for year two for both those guys, for Linderbaum and Hamilton. But the offensive line, it all starts up front on, on both sides, offensive line and defensive line. And I think Baltimore's in a pretty solid position both ways there for the 2023 season. But Q, I appreciate you. That's all I have for you today on the show. And again, low period of the offseason doesn't really mean it. Still very busy. And maybe next week we'll uh, we'll see one of these Minnesota Vikings, Neil Hunter, Dalvin Cook in a Ravens uniform. Or maybe we'll just uh, have a little more to talk about in terms of OTAs. Yeah, I tell you what. I mean, again, let's not get caught up in the offseason hype. We know what happened with Cleveland. They win the Super Bowl of the offseason every year. This is probably the first year that they were dethroned, unfortunately, by us because I think we really did have a great offseason. We ain't trying to get caught up in all that. We like the real regular season and the real hardware. The Tiffany has got to have – well, we're, they, we got two of them. We just need another, like a, a triumvirate. That's what we need. We ain't talking about no offseason. Don't crown us. Don't crown us anything. But I like the direction – that the team is headed into going into training camp. Yep, no paper champs. Look, it looks good on paper, don't get me wrong, but you don't want to be the paper champs. You want to be the real champs. So getting that actual hardware, I agree with the Q. Very, very important. That's all I have for you here today on Locked On Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're going to take a two-day break. Coming back here on Monday, we'll be diving into more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here on Monday on Locked On Ravens.